Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is best-selling writer Lisa Ballantyne, author of the new novel, The Innocent One. Karen Dion wrote about the novel, Lisa Ballantyne's The Innocent One is a crackling good read, exactly the kind of novel that readers have come to expect from one of the most talented psychological suspense authors working today. With a gripping, twisty plot, conflicted and relatable characters, ever-rising tension, and an ending that's as thrilling as it is satisfying. I love this book. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, The Innocent One, how would you describe the novel? Um, well, it's a, it's a legal thriller and a family drama. Um, and it begins when the main character, criminal solicitor Daniel Hunter, gets a call from an old client he defended 10 years ago. And at the time, this client, Sebastian, was just 11 years old and on trial for murder. Um, and all those years ago, he was acquitted, but he's now in the frame again when his college tutor is, is found dead. Um, so it's, it's really a novel that kind of looks at the past and the present, the past being unearthed, um, and, and looks at nature and nurture and, and, and children and, and growing up. Um, because the lawyer himself was once a, a violent little boy who grew up in care, and it was really his foster mother who helped to to turn him around. So it's looking at all these relationships and and asking um, that this little boy who's now turned into a man is he again innocent? Um, he was found not guilty when he was a child, or this time is he guilty? So it's it's really looking at all of that. That's great. Well, I'm wondering, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write The Innocent One? I do, yes. Um, I mean, with all my novels, it always starts with the characters. So it's, they're very much character driven. And I can quite often see or smell the characters. You know, there's a very instinctual um, approach to the novel. So with this one, I could see the characters um, particularly the criminal solicitor's foster mother. She lived on a farm and I could, I could see and smell her. Um, but beyond that kind of instinctual impulse to write the novel, um, once I'd figured out that I was wanting to write about uh, a young man who had once been on trial for murder, I had to do a lot of research and, um, I researched a lot of the, um, infamous, um, cases in the UK where children had been tried for murder. So particularly I looked at the, the Bulger case where two little boys had um, murdered a toddler. And then a, an earlier case, um, which was actually quite important for my research, but it was late 1950s in the UK. And a little girl called Mary Bell had strangled two young children. So I did a lot of reading into those cases, not so much the sort of lurid detail of it, but um, trying to understand the sort of psychology of children who are violent um, and how and how that happens. So I, I really used all of that in starting to shape the novel and, and put it together. That's great. Well, I'm curious, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing suspense and thriller novels and then led you to writing and getting your debut novel published? 
Um, well, I didn't. I think I didn't set out to write psychological thrillers, um, but I'm, I'm very um, attracted to um, stories about families and stories about the potential for change in an individual, and, and particularly that whole age-old question of nature and nurture. Um, and you'll find that all of my novels, although there are psychological thrillers, um, there's always this kind of underlying thing about the, the past and the present, um, the potential for change, um, children and the, the trauma they experience in childhood and how that is played out when they're an adult. So, so that was always my kind of driver. That was always what I was trying to explore and find out. And in my novels, including The Innocent One, I'm once again, you know, trying to discover why, understand um, the reasons why people do bad things, perhaps. They've often been described as um, not who done it, but why done it, because it is that, that sort of the psychology trying to understand the reasons behind. That's, that's kind of always one of my drivers. Sure. And I'm curious, were you someone who always wrote stories or or what kind of um, led you to kind of sitting down and starting to write your first novel that got published? Yeah, I didn't. I've never really written short stories. Um, like a lot of authors, I, I, you know, I dabbled with poetry. So I was, I was always, always writing from a very young age. Um, but when I sat down to, to write these characters that were in my head, they always turned into long fiction. So I, I'm, I've really always been a kind of novelist um, mm -hmm. rather than a short story writer. I find I find short stories really difficult to write. I suppose it's just um, you have to be so brief. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think when I'm, because I always approach um, stories from the point of view of character, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to delve deep into their psychology and, and what they think and how they are. And that always tends to, turn into a novel. Sure. Well, I'm curious, what was the writing process like when you were working on The Innocent One? You you talked earlier about this initial idea and, and having this kind of like sense of, of the smell and, and, and the, you know, the character. Uh, are you someone, once you have that idea, do you end up outlining the plot or do you just kind of dive into the narrative and see where it takes you? Um, no, I'm, I, I wish I was. I'm sure that's a better way to write a novel. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm, I'm much more, um, just try to find my own way. I think it was, was it Fitzgerald who said, um, plot is character, character is plot. So I often think that at least there's one great writer. So it was, uh, chose the stumbling around in the dark method. Um, cause that's still the one I, I use. I, I go with the characters and I, I see where that leads me. Um, but with this, with this novel in particular, and it's, it's the case with many of my books, I, I don't write what I know either, which makes it even harder. So, mm -hmm. um, the characters in this book, um, they don't, they don't live where I live. They didn't grow up, um, anywhere I lived. So, um, there was a lot of locations that I had to visit and research and also the, um, the whole, the whole, um, you know, fact that it's a legal thriller. I, I don't work in the law. Um, so I had to um, visit the old Bailey in London, which is the, the big central criminal court, um, watch court cases. And I had to, um, I've got a, 
a friend who is a criminal solicitor and judge, and he advises me on on a lot of the the legal technicalities um, in the book to help me make it realistic. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, and literally, I'm just driving around the country sometimes, trying to, you know, (laughs) see see where your characters live. And people always say to me, "Why don't you just?" um, Because I live in Glasgow in Scotland, and they say, "Why don't you just just make them live in Glasgow?" And I say, "But that's not where they live." You know, because they they're so real to me. They don't live here. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Uh, I'm curious, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Um, I think like one of my mantras is always once it's written, it exists. Because I think writers tend to be um, terribly self-critical. And it's quite easy if you're if you're reading your work, uh, becoming discouraged, um, that you just abandon it or worse, delete it. Um, and I think it's it's really important just to press on and finish it because once you've finished, then you might you might have a, a rubbish novel, yeah. But at least you've got a novel, you've got something to work with. So, and um, once it's written, it exists is is what always pushes me forward. Yeah, I want to want to finish it, and then you've got something to work with. And my other thing is it's on the same theme of not being discouraged is really don't delete anything um, because quite often, you know, we sit down and you write a lot of nonsense. But I always find there's there's sometimes even just it could be a word, a phrase or something in there that you could use again. And it might not be in this novel, in this story, but there's some things often there that you might come back to. So um, those are the two things um, that um, I would I would en- encourage people to do, and sure. and the third thing, of course, is just that you know publishing is a is a, a big industry and it's it can be very demoralizing. So I, I I would urge people to to write because they love it, you know, rather than because they have some idea of maybe earning a living from it, which is very difficult. <laughs> Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. 
like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Sure. And and I'm curious, what, what was your process once you finished your first debut novel manuscript in terms of getting an agent or interacting with publishers? How did that work for you? Yeah, um, I, I had an agent before that. So mm-hmm. um, I um, I wrote, I think, I think Guilty One was my, um, my third novel that I might have written. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was my first to be published. So I had an agent um, from my second novel. And my second novel wasn't published, but it was shortlisted for a, a publishing award in in uh, Scotland, um, the International Book Prize, but it still didn't get published. And it was really just um, my, when I wrote The Guilty One that um, things started to take off. And so it's it's really a case of having um, written quite a lot of words before I, I, I managed to get in there. Sure. And I wanted to circle back when you were talking about kind of your writing process and and just kind of um, figuring it out. Um, do you ever find yourself um, writing scenes or going down paths that you have to end up throwing out? Yes, very much so. I mean, uh, because <laughs> of my ridiculous writing process, that often is the case. I go down um, roads that um, I, you know, are, are, I need to retrace my steps and go back again. But interestingly, quite often, um, what happens is that the publisher suggests you to change something, and that can be quite destabilizing. So, um, with the my first novel, um, the guilty one, um, I, I don't want to create a spoiler, but at the outcome of the trial, the editor wanted me to change the outcome of the trial, um, this um, guilty or not guilty, and she wanted that changed. Which you know wasn't a case just of making the the jury form and read out a different verdict. You then had to <laughs> because it was an there was the entire third part of the novel was the trial, right. so I had to sort of redo, um, you know, the defence, um, to 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 reach that conclusion. So sometimes it's the the editor who who make quite interesting, um, suggestions that that lead you onto paths that you hadn't intended when you started writing. Well, I think you said earlier about saving your work and not deleting. I'm just curious, like the nuts and bolts, how do you do that? Do you keep a a, a separate um, kind of document or folder that you're just putting things, putting sections in as you're cutting or editing? Yeah, I mean, I've um, I a way back I did used to write longhand, but I just I, I always just write straight into the the computer unless I'm out and about and making little notes and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do quite a lot of my workings. I mean, I say I say I don't plot, but you know, I do um, keep little jottings of where the story is going. Um, but then everything is just um, I type straight in to the computer, and, and um, usually, even if it's something that um, doesn't end up in the finished novel, I, w- I will still keep it and save it as part of that story, so that I've always got it to um, look back on. Got it. Well. I'm curious, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed, either fiction or nonfiction? 
Well, um, I've been reading quite a lot of um, uh, new novels um, that have been have not yet been published. Um, there's one um, by um, Nathan Oates, which is coming out, A Flaw in the Design, also a US writer, and I really enjoyed that. I think that might be coming out in the US next year. And I really enjoyed it, partly because it was um, similar to the kind of things I write about. Um, it was a story about a, a boy who had um, tried to kill... Um, the narrator's daughter when he was little and then grew up and um, comes back into his life. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's been a really memorable book that I read recently. Um, others that I read recently, um, Elizabeth Strout. I'm a huge fan of her work and I recently read her O William, which just came out. I think it's also mm-hmm. just been shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Um, and Pat Barker, who's a, another sort of British writer, who's a, a great, a great novelist. Um, I've, I've been reading her, her works about um, um, ancient Greece um, and loving them. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Um, so um, my website's um, really easy. It's just lisaballantine.com. Um, I'm on Goodreads um, and Amazon as well. I've got my own page on Amazon. Um, so if there's there's um, five novels um, that are available and three in the, the published uh, stateside. So that's, that's great. Where I am. Well, again, we've been speaking with Lisa Ballantyne, author of the new novel, The Innocent One. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Lisa, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Frankie walked to work, enjoying the early morning air, unaware that today was the day she was going to die. She often went into work this early, when the throng of gawky students were still asleep, but these past few weeks she'd made a point of it because it was the coolest part of the day. She would let herself into her office in the Classics building and plunge into her book on the Macedonian conquest of the Persian Empire. It was due to be published in November, and she hoped to present it before then, a keynote speech at Princeton University. It was going to be another searing hot day, and already it was clammy, a film on her skin. She wore a long loose skirt and flat sandals. It was just over an hour's walk from the riverside cottage she shared with her husband, John, just off Fen Road. The rooms small and dusty, the back garden long and semi-wild, leading right down onto the banks of the Cam. Early afternoon, she would walk home again, let Artemis out, and eat lunch at the bottom of the garden, waving away hoverflies and looking at the gnarl of bramble. Artemis was her blonde beagle, named after the goddess of the hunt, but even though she was a pedigree, at twelve years old, she no longer showed any interest in hunting. She barely opened her eyes if a squirrel came into the garden, and even a rabbit spied on a walk failed to incite any enthusiasm for a chase. Artemis seemed to have decided that she had run after her last rabbit some time ago. Frankie considered that thought probably came to everyone eventually. John was away with work again, three or four countries in a row this time, Malaysia, Singapore, and somewhere else. Frankie couldn't remember the last one. She wasn't inconsiderate, but international travel was a constant thing for John, and after a while she lost track. 
She was sure he had been due home last night, but he hadn't appeared. And so she expected he was probably in the air just now, sipping a blended malt from a plastic glass while scanning a journal on quantum electronics. John was Professor of Electrical Engineering, his office just a thirty-minute walk from hers. But he was always away doing deals with one foreign university or another, in the Far East or North America. She was used to him being gone. They had been married for fifteen years, and she still loved him, but it was easier to love him while he was away. John hadn't always been faithful. He was older than she was by eleven years, but his energy was expansive. John, dark-eyed, dark-haired, even in his mid-fifties, burst into any room demanding all attention. He was six foot two, but seemed to take up an even larger metaphysical space. He had absolutely no insecurities. In that sense, he was quite a good advertisement for the potential of positive self-esteem, or the public school system, whichever way you looked at it. Young women seemed to accept that he was as attractive as he proclaimed. He had risen in the ranks academically, professor by the age of forty-two, and now in the university leadership. Unless John returned, she might have a few friends over later to drink sangria as the sun went down. Sangria from the Latin, sanguis, for blood. They could bring their swimsuits and take a dip in the cam. It was delicious to swim in the river at this time of year. She liked to swim out to the deepest point and then slip her swimsuit off underwater. It was uniquely liberating. A group of early rowers passed, and Frankie paused to watch them, even though she had seen them many times. This group were all women. There was almost no breeze, and so the cam was grey-brown, ripples catching the new pink light in scales like snakeskin. The boat cut through it, even and straight. The rowers' easy rhythm set her up for the day, and Frankie unconsciously found their timing as she continued her walk. She would get her work done, and then sit at the bottom of her garden and call her mother, which she did every Wednesday without fail. Frankie was from Liverpool originally, and her mother, Bridget, still lived in Kirby, Merseyside. She was eighty-three, five foot three, and still went to bingo under her own steam every Tuesday evening. Frankie was one of eight, four sisters, three brothers, and had been her mother's fifth child. When they spoke, Frankie's scouse accent unconsciously came back, thick and guttural. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.